0: Therefore, then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, I'm reading from the Amplified Version, and in brackets it says, who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance or unnecessary weight. And that sin which so readily Again, parenthetically, it says deftly and cleverly, D-E-F-T-L-Y, deftly or very skillfully, sin maneuvers itself into our lives and cleverly clings to us. It forces itself upon us as a companion uninvited, but takes over and we become its slave if we don't militantly reject it and fight against it. And it entangles us. Imagine a runner that's all of a sudden caught in one foot as he's running by a rope or a lasso. And uh, and that same rope tangles up the other foot. What'll happen? That runner's going to fall flat on his face or her face. This is what sin does. Untruthfulness. Compromise. Presenting partially what we would like to present as truth to God and to God's servants, even to the church. Instead of being honest and humble and saying, this applies to me. and The greatest shame is not in confessing it, but in not confessing it. Because the Bible says in James, confess your faults one to another that ye may be healed. So devil, the devil comes and prevents our own healing by causing us to wear a mask, wear a mask. And we have to say, Lord, examine me, Lord, truly. And we ought to tremble in the presence of God if we're doing something shady. Shady in the sense that we've been told something from God's presence, from God's servants, from the Word and we very well know it. But like Ananias and Sapphira, like Gehazi, pretend like, oh, everything's fine. I'm good, Pastor, I'm good. we've heard that before, I'm good, we're good, we're all good. If that's the case, why is God showing us something differently? Gehazi said, all is well. Ananias and Sapphira came to the apostle Peter, all is well, we're good. Thank you. God bless you, Peter. God bless you, Elisha. Why is God showing the prophet and the servants of God differently? Why is God showing them that all is not good, all is not well? Why is there a lie coming from the mouth of the people who is coming to the servants of God? It's a dangerous thing because once again we must remember If God's presence is there, and these are really servants of God we have to come and listen after confessing the truth. Why? God's desire is not to destroy but to heal. His desire is to help us but if we play what's known as a double game meaning I will act one way in front of the pastors, in front of the church, on the calls. We've seen a very, very, never-to-be-forgotten horrifying example of such a thing in our very midst that we've been warning against for the past nine days, now the tenth day. How that happened to an individual who was doing really good actually but who began to engage in everything's fine it's one thing to say everything's fine because of the mercy of God I, you know I was sick and God helped me I was financially in trouble and God helped me to thank God or give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever. Really feel that in the heart. But when the servants of God ask, how are you doing? They never only ask that to find out how one is doing physically or materially. But most importantly, how is it with your soul? At that point, if I'm compromising the truth and going for a lie or partnering with people even in my own family, when I know I should not be a part of something. And I think in the name of encouraging them, in the name of being friendly, in the name of not offending them, I'll join with their activities. Hey, they're religious. They're spiritual. And we well know they're serving Satan in many ways. We're not talking of overt uh, or blatant witchcraft. We're talking about people who say they love God but they left the presence of God, and what they've done is they've built their own Tower of Babel. So we can reach God too. Lot became very comfortable in Sodom and Gomorrah. If you would have interviewed him, he would have said, "You know, things aren't perfect, you know, but we are family. I've got all my sisters and me." We're all together, and God's got this wonderful celebration with who? Liars, thieves, adulterers, drunkards, people who speak foul language, people who twist the truth. This is the family that you're a part of? And then can we come to the presence of God, where God is really working, and say, well, I'm, I can live in both worlds. May God speak to all of our hearts never to play this double game. As we heard the recap, and we're re- reading Hebrews 12, we hurt ourselves spiritually we actually damage ourselves spiritually when we pretend that everything's fine all is good we're blessed while engaging in sin while engaging in things that we should not be a part of but there is a growth granted there's a process there's a growth where Just like I mentioned about the serpent. There are some things that just are gross. They're not meant to live with human beings, but what happens? The affinity, the appetite for the human being has changed. So that which is disgusting becomes cute. And we can translate this into many things that as a human being normal reaction would be one way but our senses have been conditioned to react another way there's a certain thrill that the devil brings to people to hit the gas pedal on the highway and usually it happens to young people they get the license and they think they can control the road and weave in and out of traffic and put everybody else on the edge of their seat, so to speak, while they're taking control of the road and they're racing their friends. What is that? There's a thrill because of the risk involved and the foolishness, the brashness. Thinking that this is a dare. Well, the devil dares people. Why don't you compromise? Why don't you do that thrilling thing? Secretly commit sin. See how far you can go. And then God brings everything out. There's a tremendous shame. It's better to judge ourselves and say, That's me. The pastor's talking about me. The God is talking about me. I need to really repent. I know there's some compromise. I know there's hidden hidden works. I don't have anything to do with it, I say, but actually I do. Why? Because I've made people comfortable in my family, in my circle, while they're living in rebellion. They're committing spiritual adultery to the God who saved them many times. And they are committing spiritual idolatry because they really worship themselves no matter what they say about Jesus. The devil comes and sin is so deceptive it condition, it takes over and it begins to condition us till we begin to see everything through its lens. And that's why so many people today are so easily persuaded by some foolishness that the enemy brings as good. They think it's cute and lovely. Somebody says, oh, Pastor, we're in the 21st century. Things have changed. Um, The fashions have changed. But think about the fashions for a moment. I remember a lady that used to come to our fellowship, our church, was never really settled, but this woman pretended to be a lover of God. But God was a convenient backup plan for her. He was a convenient person to go to for physical healing. And this woman used to agree with everything that was preached, including certain fashions of this world being ungodly. Meanwhile her own family was engaging in that but she made the family feel like they're royalty and that they're good people good Christians even while they're wearing things that are very ungodly she didn't have the nerve or she say she had the nerve to give lip service to God Never ever feel anything. Hey, that's my, but that's my daughter. That's my granddaughter. That's my niece or nephew. That's their decision. That's true. Every person has to make his or her own decision. However, the question is, are they able to be comfortable in their sin? Someone's unmuted there. You can just check your lines, please, and mute yourself. Are they able to be comfortable in their sins? Whoever is unmuted, just check your lines, please, and mute yourself. There, There needs to be that acknowledgement of what kind of effect I'm having on the people that know me. It's not mainly preaching at them or preaching down to them. But living. People can perceive. Now, we talk about this in this manner. If someone is making jokes that are not appropriate in the sight of God. And we used to sit there and laugh and mingle and But now we've gotten closer to the Lord and we see this is offensive to the Lord. What part do I have with it? And they can see on your face that you're not a part of this. Not being rude or anything, but they can see that it's an offense. Or are we smiling and letting it go and thinking that, oh well, they they offended God, so they hurt God. God understands. Right now, I'm in the joy of the moment with my family. Again and again and again, I see in the scriptures, God keeps bringing up examples of people who compromise with the truth and pretend and they don't really care if God's offended. As long as they can get what? Personal gain. What is that gain? Maybe material. Maybe status. They think I'm cool. They think I'm a good relative. Even though I go to a spiritual church, you know, I'm not... not, to searcher that I can't mingle with them. We need to understand when the Bible says... In effect, mingle with those of low estate. Don't think yourself too high. It never talks about compromisers. It talks about those who may be rejected by this world or looked down upon. Those who may not have much education or whatever qualifies them a particular status in society that is supposed to be respectable and supposed to give them some uh, dignity in the eyes of the world. God said you don't look at those things. You go ahead and you minister to people and you help people. Don't judge them based upon the appearance or what the world thinks they should have. However, never does God say you go ahead, have a blast with your relatives. So what if they drink and smoke and you know you don't really say anything about it and you're, you're, you're in their company? Hey, it's family time. We become a Judas and a compromiser. to sit there. Instead of making a statement, if not by word, at least by our expressions and our dislike and disregard for that, and make it a point not to go back. And allow that stuff to go on. Because silence can be a loud voice to condone and encourage sin. There's a way to handle it by the Holy Spirit. But you see, that thing that we tolerate, as I mentioned last evening, the thing that I tolerate because I don't want to hate people, And I know it's not right by God. There's deception there. There's hypocrisy. Eventually it will come into my own home. Make no mistake about that. Sin will never be content with just living next door. Sin will never be content if you just go and visit it and look at it from a distance and wave high. It'll come to your door, as God told Cain. And God said it didn't come to your door to visit knock-knock who was there. It seeks to wrestle with you, get you in a headlock, and make you its slave. That's the nature of sin. It's deceitful, but it's fierce. What is sin? It is the spirit of the devil That has come upon humanity because humanity rejected God. And it comes in many different forms to destroy our lives. It's rebelling against all that God says. Gehazi was in the presence of God. He heard the word. He saw the miracles. He was a partaker of it. What happened to him is what happened to the people in Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10. And the people refused the five major warnings in the book of Hebrews. Gehazi would fit that profile. Nice and Zephyr at the founding of the New Testament church. They had it all. But then they had the gall to lie to the Holy Spirit. How do they lie? They come and say, I don't believe your God I don't believe in the Trinity. I don't believe in justification by faith and by grace. They didn't come doctrinally with a refusal to embrace orthodox doctrine. Oh, no, no. they. We love the preaching of Peter. We are orthodox Christians. I mean, we have the doctrine all right. Um, we like to help socially. Look, my wife and I, we're going to do something great for God's people, and people are poor, and What they did was, they lied on a detail in a transaction. That's all it took. They lied on a detail in a conversation that otherwise would have been thought as casual. Everybody's coming. Barnabas did that. So we're also going to do that. We have a piece of property. We're going to sell it. Hey, Apostle Peter, we want to give this out of... the goodness of our hearts. We're nothing, we're nobody. There's some people that they speak of themselves in a what they say a self deprecating manner. They say I'm nothing, I'm nobody. I'm no good. God is everything. I give all the glory to God. But you know what? The truth be told, they're very much in control of themselves and their families. Very much. And they manipulate to make themselves look good in an indirect way many times. What is that about? It's deception. What's actually in the heart is being covered up. There's a truthful and a true. Self-deprecation, if you will, where we are conscious of our own shortcomings. But when we are compromising with the truth, those are all lies. So Ananias and Sapphira didn't come to Peter and defy him say, Peter, we don't like the way you're doing things here. And, uh, you know, you spoke about our relatives and spoke to our relatives and it really offended us, you know. We're thinking about leaving your church, Peter. And Peter, we don't agree with the Trinity and we don't agree with the way you do the this or that. No, they came as very good sheep. The husband came first. You see, the sin had entangled that man. He was all wrapped up in sin and the Holy Spirit saw it. But in his sight, he thought I'm squeaky clean. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. The only person that knows is my wife. Wow. The psalmist says, those people who are wicked, people in Israel who knew God, they have adopted a lifestyle and they've gotten into delusion because they thought, in the Psalms is written, God does not see, he does not hear. That man, Ananias, the only person in the whole universe he was in deep delusion is my wife who I secretly spoke to and said listen sweetheart we have this property and uh, it cost us five thousand dollars perhaps and what we're going to do is we're going to go to the Apostle Peter we're going to get us a seat we're going to get us a plaque we're going to get us a name what does Barnabas think he is and these other people? We're just as good. And we're going to make it known to Peter and everyone. Now, we got $5,000 for this property. What we're going to do is give Peter 3000 and tell him, that's how much we got, Peter. We're giving it all to God. I give my all to thee, O Lord. And Peter spoke to him. and said, Is it true? Such and such a price? Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and he died. His wife came along a short time later. Mrs. Ananias. Sapphira, is this what you want to give to the church? Oh, yes. Is it all that you got for the property? Absolutely. We wouldn't give God anything less. It's everything. The young men that carried your husband off from this place because he died a little while ago. Since you joined with them, same thing is going to happen to you. They were gone. What happened here, and why do we look at this in conjunction with Hebrews chapter 12? Because the deception leads to the delusion so deadly It's so horrifying. What happened? How could you do this? When we rebel against God and we take something light and as a joke, when God calls attention to him and says, it's not me. We see children in classrooms, little children even playing together. I didn't do it. Meanwhile, the evidence is all over their hands, maybe over their mouths from what they stole and ate. Not me, it's you, you're it, not me. God keeps emphasizing one of the first things that are necessary, and the first thing actually, in a very real sense when you think about it, if I'm not sincere 100% and say, Lord, what you're speaking is hitting home, I must deal with it before you, Lord. I'm not here to impress anyone or deceive anyone because ultimately God sees. We can get to a point where sin can become easy again. When God says, I told you to forgive, don't hold grudges. Oh my Lord, how easy it is for us to hold grudges and not deal with it. Not go before the Lord and say, Lord, I didn't behave the right way with my sister or my brother. I, You told me to do one thing, but I did the opposite because it was a reaction to what they did. But since when did God ever say, you ought to obey me to the extent that others obey me and treat you right? I know it's hard. You live in the 21st century. Media and everything. There are billboards everywhere. Women are dressing so immodestly. I mean, it's so hard to be pure in this generation. I've I never I've never found that in the scriptures, though. That's the problem. I've never found anywhere in the scriptures when God says in the last days, men will wax worse and worse. There will be a lot of sin going around. So that's why I understand... If you live in the last days, it's going to be very difficult for you to keep my commandments. So, I'm going to give you a pass on certain commandments and grade you on a curve, and I'll make sure no child gets left behind. Even if you don't make the grade, you didn't learn your arithmetic like you should. And instead of giving you zero, I'm going to give you a hundred. I'm going to give you that pass. I'm going to recommend you to the principal. What happens, we graduate people who are illiterate in many ways. Well, being illiterate in that sense is virtually insignificant compared to being spiritually corrupt, willfully negligent, recklessly disobedient to the plain commandments of God. It's death to us and everybody around us. Sin is very deceptive. Sin will look very inoffensive at first. It will look promising. Lot lifted up his eyes. He saw the lush area by the Dead Sea there in southern Israel. He said, that's where I'm going to make my home. I'm so glad Uncle Abraham gave me first pick. I know he loves God, and God's going to take care of him. But me, I love God too, and God's going to take care of me. Well, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going there. I've heard it's a decadent society. They have all kinds of things happening, but hey, I'm just there not to mingle with them. I'm there to make a profit. I'm going to be well settled I know how to be like a duck, I have my oily characteristic on the external body, the water's not going to seep into me, I have my morals and I have my doctrine, but I live in Sodom and Gomorrah. What happened? It hit home, his wife loved the place where when God says I'm going to burn up the place do you want to come to heaven grace upon grace upon grace oh do I have to I'm being dragged out of here I want to go back I want to go back I want to go back like the Israelites and they got their wish and she got her wish it perished what happened compromise I made friends I have family that loves me and I don't want to offend them what happened to Lot's daughters? It really hit home to Lot. As I mentioned last evening, without premeditating it, the Lord is bringing out a concrete example, an example in the scriptures. From saying, God showed me something different, that's gross. My sensibilities were dulled. I used to think as a Christian, well... Everybody has their own choice, and I can't make their decision for them, and we got to get along, and two, that stuff is totally destructive. Whatever they're doing, drugs or drinking or immorality, whether it be heterosexual immorality or homosexuality, whatever it is, We begin to think, uh, I have nothing to do. God has come and given me more understanding. I really don't like that stuff because I see God has shown me it's destructive. But I don't grow in the truth. And what happens is that stagnation causes me to tolerate sin in my own camp. And by and by, I can begin to actually feel, you know, it's not that bad. And whether in my generation, my lifetime, or the successive generations, my people will become the leaders of Sodom and Gomorrah. Imagine that, if you could see the next generation, maybe the generation after that, and you see people from your body, your generation, Your generation publishing magazines glorifying homosexuality, actively spreading disease, spreading evil, corrupting people, leaders of the most disgusting organizations. It happened with Israel. Ananias and Sapphira were not depicted or called out because they were immoral or adulterous, others were, in the New Testament period, as now. But they had another problem, which was equally deadly. They had this desire for money, and a desire to look good. And perhaps the latter, is the more prevalent, and pervasive, problem, in the church today. Which stems from, P-R-I-D-E, a parade of pride in the Christian's life. When God says, you're running a race, don't let anything cling to you that is offensive, cumbersome, unnecessary weight, downright sinful. Oh, there's the pastor again. I, I heard this. Did you know that you can become inoculated to the truth? It happened to Ananias and Sapphira. The truth no longer was able to shake their consciences to make them do the right thing. It wasn't the function of the truth or the preaching to cause that to happen in them. But it was a function of their attitude in their hearts to become casual I should say they became vaccinated against the truth the devil came along and said look I'm going to show you what's good and healthy and Helpful for you. Protected. Against what? The truth. To become immune against the truth. Which means hardened. Hardened. Inoculated against the truth. Who would ever dream? What believer would ever dream such an evil thing? I don't want to go against the truth. God is the truth. I love the truth. But what do the actions show and the attitudes? And so the point is driven home that a little bit of tolerance for evil, a little bit of compromise, a little casual glance, or a casual non-glance, if you will, overlooking things, can grow the cobra right in your own home. And you can literally be sitting and dining with cobras. Think that you know what? It looks cute. Satan's right there looking for your destruction. It actually happens just as you're hearing it. No wonder the Bible says have nothing to do with heretics, with heresies. People usually think of that as, you know, people are unorthodox in the doctrine and they're arguing against this and that. Well, It's not just that, although that's a very uh, readily understood definition of uh, heretic. But it's also referring to people who separate themselves from the truth and they are divisive. They actually introduce error by their lives the Bible says in the book of Timothy chapter 3 verse 10 a man that's a heretic after the first and second warning, reject knowing that such is what? twisted up they're twisting the truth, they're sinning condemning themselves what is that word heretic there? Speaking of a schism or a division. A person who's coming to do what? So lies. person who comes to tolerate evil and make you feel that it's not so bad. I'm not bad. As we keep saying again and again, you don't know my heart. I know I'm smoking. I'm drinking. Womanizing. But I have a good heart. I'm a great person. Why? I'll give you $5 out of my wallet if you need it. I'm a great guy. I'll do this for you and that for you. But they introduce division, a separation from the truth, confusion. They sow discord in the house of God. You know, as we get closer to God and we read more of the word and we hear the truth more and more and we surrender to the truth we've heard, God will make our sensibilities sharper and sharper and sharper to be exactly on point with the Holy Spirit. That not only can we live godly above the filth and the deception that's in this world by God's grace, we'll be able to point others to that safe haven. The alternative is what happened to Lot. Oh, I can't stand this. I I pray, I cry. With tears for my family, but I'll show up at the next party. God, I wish no evil for my kids, my grandkids, my nephews, my nieces. But I'll pretend like everything's fine. I'm good. You're good. We are family. I've got all my sisters and me. There's a party going on right here. To last throughout all the year, it's a celebration. God have mercy the time that God has given us we need to understand 24 hours belongs to God 24 hours is no such thing as I'm married to Jesus Christ we're 50-50 all the way he understands me I understand God it's my time, God. I went to church. I read the Bible. I went to the meetings. I need to play some video games that I know are a little bit destructive and violent and a little immoral stuff. You know, I need to unwind. I'll tell the wife. I'll tell the kids. I'll tell the husband. I'll tell the kids. I'll tell the parents. Right now is my time. I need to walk there along the street and go to the corner. I'll walk the dog, but I'll get high a little, just a little bit. Now, get off my back. Just the way, you know, you unwind by worship music. I unwind by smoking a little bit. And by flirting a little bit. Don't judge me. And it's no use for us to say, oh God, I don't know why. That I told them, you do this and you're in trouble. I told her, you do this, you're in trouble with God. It's not about me. Well, what are you there for? Are you representing God? Or are you representing you? It's not 50-50 with Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. We might as well not call Him Lord. 24 hours belongs to God. We must say, Lord, do you really want me to go to this place? They're calling me. Who's calling you? Um... The guy that I knew 20 years ago, who I did this with or that with, and they're serving the devil. I'm not going to go there, God. I'm going to be very obedient. But who else is calling you? My family. For what? Delusion. We have seen, just like Annas and Zephyr case, right in front of us, all the preaching take effect. All the warnings take effect in a negative sense. And so it behooves us because what happened to the church in Acts chapter 5 is the fear of God spread all over the place. And you think, wow, that means everybody was on point? Not necessarily. Even though the majority would have shaped up if there was a problem. There's always a minority that think, you know what, I'm clever. God says sin is more clever than you. It'll strangle you if you think you can be its buddy. Partner with the devil by compromising. Somebody said, you know, my money belongs to God. I stopped buying drugs. I stopped buying liquor. I stopped buying the pornographic stuff. I stopped buying clothing that's immoral. There's a big change, and I am a great tither. In fact, I go above and beyond. The Lord says, but is there faith, mercy, and justice in your heart? Therefore, do the latter, or do the former without neglecting the latter. Am I one who's examined my heart and said, Lord? It seems somehow, sometimes for some people, much easier to give all the money and bring it to the altar. Really, not be like Ananias and Sapphira. But it seems more difficult to let the Lord be the Lord of their time. And really decide before God, Lord, should I do this today? We know how the world is. What do they do on Sunday morning? That's the day they pick to do the lawn. Right? What do they do on Sunday morning? That's the day they take a long stroll casually and go get the Sunday papers and the funnies and all that stuff. And you know, it's the weekend. What a gorgeous day. Sunday, lazy day. As believers, we see they're deceived. It's the day in which Christians get together to worship God, and what are they doing? Worshiping themselves. But what about believers who say, I've done all these things on Sunday, you're not going to catch me anywhere except in church to worship God, barring an emergency, of course. Those are God's people. I'm not going to go to just any place. I'm going to go to a place where God is honored. The fear of God is there and people are living more and more in obedience to God. I know how to select a good church. They may even do that, but the rest of the time sit in front of the TV, read the tabloids and conversation that really has no spiritual profit and actually causes compromise and causes a weakening of the desire for God. To give my time to God. Maybe that's the besetting sin for some people. Oh, God has my talents. I, I help, you know, the neighborhood kids. I coach softball for these kids who are disadvantaged and I give money here and I do these civic duties and that duty and citizenship and I take care of my family. They're well provided for. Um, All my money is God's. I'm not a lover of money. He provides. Glory to God. But my time? I'm the Lord of my time. That's tough. To be Lord of some area of our lives will disqualify us because He's not really Lord. But if I say, Lord, am I supposed to do this today? Am I supposed to, it seems harmless, innocent, good thing. As we heard Heidi pray yesterday, I believe. That which seemed to be a good thing, it was a ministry opportunity. The Spirit of God spoke to Pastor Gerber and told her, that's a snare, be careful. Heidi closed the door. How many people would have said, no. Why would you not minister? They need you the book of Acts, they essayed, A-S-S-A-Y-E-D. They attempted, they tried to go one direction with the ship. And the Holy Spirit forbade them. He said, no, not that way. Well, they were on ministry. They were risking their lives. They had a string of success behind them. Doing what? God's will. And at a certain juncture, while in course or on course, the Holy Spirit diverted them. Because it's about God. Can God count on you and me to drop plans and change plans when the Spirit of God convicts us? Then we're showing that He's our Lord. Instead of saying, oh well, this seems to be right and that seems to be right. Well, there's a growth as I said. The closer we get to God, the more we can sense clearly the divine will, which oftentimes is not only counterintuitive; will be offensive to other people, especially those of our own flesh and blood. Why? Because I'm listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And there are those who say, God told me to do this, and guess what? It wasn't God, it was the devil. So many people in delusion today, because they don't know the Word, they don't care to sit under true teaching, they don't care to obey. They'll also hop and skip. And hop and skip will lead, lead to a trip. We're not talking about vacation. The Bible says be rooted. Stay put. Let their roots go down deep. Not as a weed with mixed up stuff. What does a weed do? It appears just like its neighbor. The real plant the one that's not harmful. It looks like the same thing until God comes and shows that it's not. You got roots, I got roots. You got flowers, I got flowers. You're in the church, I'm right next to you in the church. God shows us an imposter. Why? Because they thought they can two-time God, double game, Horrible separation will come. Horrible for the people who are weeds and pretenders. But glorious because God will show in spite of the weeds, this one, my daughter, my son, refused to compromise. Or oh, their family knew. You can't get around her or him and flaunt your sin. And this person... They would offend me anytime. Oh, they're my family. But they will offend me to my face rather than offend God to His face. A famous preacher in California as we come to a close this morning. He was part of the crowd of people. This was around the hippie era, or pre-hippie era in the 60s. He was around all that stuff. Now, he didn't drink for personal reasons. His father was an alcoholic, and he saw the way he treated his mother, and, and he just didn't have anything to like about alcohol. It's kind of a minority, I should say. Somebody has that in the family. For him, that particular thing didn't, but the violence came. The violence that he saw in his dad, that sin took over his life. It was very violent. Caused a lot of damage. It went into the martial arts and caused more damage. Went into the Vietnam War. Drafted there and caused more damage. Was promoted. The world cannot check our hearts. The whole standard is upside down. You get promoted in this world. No matter how your heart is. As long as you can cater to that uh, utilitarian regard that they have and need but God checks the heart he's concerned with our eternity he doesn't want us to go to the lake of fire well the violence took over him and his friends did the other stuff he just didn't drink he didn't do the drugs he kept his body in top shape so he can fight and he got born again the height of his murderous desire because of rage God prevented him from taking out his own family one day God saved him gloriously as he heard the gospel through the television set in the early 70's and he put that rifle down that he got from the armed forces he knelt down and cried like a baby never cried really in his whole life he said and the peace and grace of God flooded in and he immediately went to say sorry to the people he offended and he when looking for his wife who had left the house in fear with their small children. And she went to church that day. And As he became a very godly man seeking the Lord early in the morning and all through the day devoured the Bible and went back to his high school he was a man who was supposed to go to prison he was a menace to society the principal jumped and they called the cops and they found out no he's really changed and what he wanted to do was not go back and tear up the place but he said can I just speak to the kids I feel for the kids because I know what they're feeling and he went there on the lawn of that high school in California in the late 60's early 70's early 70's actually and he started telling them Jesus loves you guys. He died on the cross and there's a hope and future for you. You don't need to do this and that. And they started throwing the milk cartons and everything at him. Because he was talking to them at lunchtime outside. And His instinct was to go and just tear them up physically. But that day what was manifest was the love of God and forgiveness. He really saw the kids in darkness and that it was the devil who was making them do that trying to incite him to violence he kept at it and uh, started having a meeting in his house and he spoke the truth he told the people up front don't think you're going to play with God and make it to heaven you can't sin started getting a congregation and to this day he's one of the few people that I believe is speaking the whole truth on radio to hear him in their early 80s. But the point here, the relevance here for us, as we're talking about the sin that so easily entangles, how it starts by tolerance and compromise and will live with you and you'll be fine with it and it'll take hold of you and destroy you by degrees if you're not militant against that sin, whatever it is, His dad, who was so violent and he swore to kill his dad, he said if he ever touched his mother again, because on his drunken nights he would come home and begin to abuse his mom and as he came of age he told his dad, touch her again, I'll kill you This was the type of thing that happened at home. Well, his dad visited his family And as he came to the door, he had a beer can. Now, what would most Christians do? Oh, I can't stand it, Dad. I mean, he's the father over here, and I don't want to offend him and turn him away. He stood at the door and told his father, you can't come in here with that. His dad began to get angry. And almost a fight ensued physically. But the son stood his ground and said, my house belongs to God. Now I think some persons may think, you know what, that's that's nice. I do the same thing, Pastor. Not my house, oh no. You can't bring liquor into my house or drugs or cigarettes or pornography. It's the temple of God. But what are you doing in that place where they have that stuff? And what impression do you give when a family member is under bondage to that but you have a celebration isn't that the height of hate? to say, well, they made their decision I'm going to mingle there and we're going to have a great time I choose my path, you choose your path we'll come together, it's never east and west and never, never the two, the twain meet don't bring hell into my house but I visit you where hell is because I love you we're family May God help us to check our hearts to see to what degree we really hate sin and the things that offend God. Am I careful not to offend my father? Do I really love him or I love people more than my father? Could that be the besetting sin? Not just anger and impatience, the things that we can go through and, you know, it's not so hard to confess. But what about my compromising attitude that causes me to be so Nonchalant and from toleration to compromise to the confusion to condemnation. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, all those things, peace. One of the fruit of the Spirit is self control. When I have the urge to do something to please man even my own loving daughter or son my own spouse my own relatives do I stop and say Father should I go and should I pick up that phone call, should I speak how many believers don't even ask God when they know the other person is involved in some kind of delusion these are the hard lessons quote unquote that will begin to Filter out the lies that we have compromised with and become dull and, like Lot, gotten to a place where we are living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, I hate that stuff, really. What are you doing in Sodom and Gomorrah? Okay, you made a mistake. You went there. You made a wrong decision. But how come you don't want to get out? We want to be people like Peter. Though he denied the Lord three times, he did a very horrible thing. Unlike Judas, he had a thorough repentance. Thorough repentance. Peter became a holy apostle. How do you get to be holy? By some person in the church declaring you holy? No. God's Holy Spirit declares you holy. How? How? washed by the holy blood of the sinless Lamb of God, and by walking in holiness, in obedience to His commandments, walking with the Holy Spirit. On this day, may the Lord help us to see whether we have backtracked, backpedaled, whether we are actually living in a state that is worse than when we actually heard the truth and totally said, I have nothing to do with evil, I don't care who it is. I'm not going to not only not condone that, but my presence in places where people are quite obviously living in defiance to God, by my silence there, I don't want to encourage them in this sin. Let them get mad at me if I don't go to their functions. I'm going to set an example of how I dare not offend my God. I'm going to protect myself. We have seen stages of delusion. Unfortunately, stages began with the secrecy, double game. Everything's fine, I'm good, Pastor, everything's fine. Little compromise, little tolerance. Then it starts becoming fun to visit this one and that one where sin is glorified, people are defined. they give lip service to God, we know it, so what? That's my family. They love God, I love God, I don't judge you, you worship the way you want, as long as you believe that Jesus is Lord, put a cross on my chest, so help me God. May we never be the cause for people to live in delusion, but rather the cause to wake them up. And may we be ready to offend man before we offend God. May we never offend God Somebody says, I don't want to cause divisions. Pastor, didn't you say heretic means one who's factitious and divisive? I want to promote unity. Isn't that what God is about? I want to show family love. What I'm going to end up doing if I have that attitude when I know people are defying God, they're blaspheming, they're not following the truth, is I'm going to cause a division. You know how? I will begin to be divided with the goats one day and not be among the sheep. So that's the... Progressive deterioration, deterioration, if you will, of being soft on sin. So, what God said to Cain in Genesis can be brought right into Hebrews 12. Don't let that master you. Or it will destroy you. You must master it. You have to kick it out. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Don't let anybody stop you. And practically, we've heard, very practically and very clearly, how we can allow others to stop us. and Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now, He is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility He endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. We had people come who came to the fellowship and they will come for prayer... They reek of cigarettes. We're not talking about visitors for the first time. Those who've heard enough teaching. Those who witnessed miracles. They came. They complained about I feel sick and he feels sick and he's losing a job and we're having problems and we told them, You gotta stop serving the devil. Oh my Pastor, you offended me. We're Christians. I know Jesus. I love Jesus. You offended me. You have to stop smoking. Oh, you're offending me. Stop drinking. I'm not coming back. If you're going to judge me. But notice, it's not to first time visitors. It's not to people who don't know. To somebody who knows the truth very well. Who's blatantly trying to bring evil into God's house and then complaining that their lives are not so well. Well, we can sit around and be compromising lukewarm pastors. Well, um, God loves you, and um, I'll pray for you, and God bless you. Um, Never address those things that are open doors for the devil to destroy their health, destroy their lives, and that are clear indications that they're their own boss. Let them know by the preaching, by the prayers, by the counsel. You don't love God. You're lying to yourself and to God. You need to shape up, otherwise you're going to be shut out. Don't worry about this church. We're talking about the kingdom of God. God is the judge. There's a time at which we must rise up and speak the truth as it is. How can God trust us with His word? If we're wishy-washy and lovey-dovey with people who clearly offend God and they want us to be part of that oh they won't say necessarily you're my family would you try this joint would you try that no they won't do that they know where I stand but they have enough pull and attraction to pull me to be in their company while they do their thing we need to show that separation that division And you have forgotten the encouraging words before that. It says, after all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And have you forgotten the encouraging words? God spoke to you as his children. He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. God will send some discipline. But isn't it sad if when we're being disciplined by God, we think, you know what? I'm suffering for being righteous. Again, we need the Holy Spirit and anointed teaching and correct counsel to show this came because you opened the door here while you thought you were doing good. Now close that door and you won't need the chastening anymore. And so on. It talks about discipline. Notice the spanking and discipline is not for everybody all the time, it's for those who need it and in every part of our lives there will be a time when God will have to chasten us when we are out of the way along the way God will have to chasten us if we do something that's not right but the encouragement is to take a new grip don't feel defeated and think that you know what the sermon's not so uplifting I wanted to hear something about I'm going to win. I'm victorious. And we can take a whole part of the Bible out if we don't want to hear what we heard today. But the encouragement is if we receive it, we can get renewed with the determination, Lord, no compromise. No compromise, Lord. I don't ever want to offend you. Ananias and Sapphira and Gehazi They were offending God. They knew it because they heard the truth. But they began to go deeper into it and pretty soon they could not hear the truth anymore. Not only by choice, but they came under delusion thinking that this is actually good to be popular with my people. Maybe I can win people. But I compromised. And it took them over and they ended up perishing. They got a curse. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. Work at living in peace with everyone. Notice, peace not at the expense of truth, but peace while we are upholding the truth. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. Those who are not holy will not see the Lord. What is holiness? Sanctification. It's a separation. It's a Setting apart, not a mingling, in the name of love. Compromising holiness of the truth. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Spreading lies about the pastor's. About the true doctrine. Instead of looking at the Word of God and praying, gossiping about it, he said this and he's talking about me, and it's no use to blame people if God's speaking. Say, Lord, I need to change. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau. Since when did Esau go to a prostitute? It's not recorded. But he was against the moral standard of God. He traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. Satisfied the flesh. You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. That's the horror. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. You've not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as Israelites did at Mount Sinai. That was horrifying to see. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. They were literally shaking. So was Moses, the man of God. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I'm terrified and trembling. What happened? It became extremely dark. Dark clouds came on top of the mountain. They're all looking. And they saw smoke. And it got even hotter and bigger like an oven. Imagine a mountain looking like it's on fire. It was on fire. God descended on that mountain. They heard a trumpet blast. Imagine a trumpet blast from heaven. No human being was doing that. No orchestra. And that trumpet blast got louder and louder and louder to the point where Moses was shaking literally with so much fright. God is saying, that time they knew you don't play with God. What about now when God is speaking from heaven? He sent His Son. You see the connection? In these last days, He has sent His Son. He's come down to set foot on planet Earth and told us exactly how not to be a snake, but to be a true servant of God, an obedient child of God. Sin A snake-like. All who serve sin will become snakes. And Jesus crushes the head of snakes. No. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. He says, I'm showing you the, the, the bad part so you know how to avoid it. I have to spell it out for you. But that's not what you're supposed to be doing. You're headed from Mount Zion to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. Think about what you've been called out of, where God has placed you, and what kind of fellowship. The truth that God's been giving you. You've been privileged to come and partake of God's table. Don't play double game. Or you'll be excluded. That's what he's saying here. But he says, now don't do that anymore. You've come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God Himself, who is the judge over all things. You've come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. They made it. You see the cloud of witnesses? They made it. You know why? No compromise. All of their relatives knew. Everybody knew where they stood. They're holy and you can't expect them to come to their functions, to the ungodly family. There are certain times God will say to go to a wedding like Jesus went. But it will not be a casual thing at all. The presence of God will go with us And it won't be a casual going back and forth. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. You have come to God himself who is the judge of all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel better things than that of the blood of Abel. In the New King James it says, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. In the Amplified Version it says this, you've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant into the sprinkled blood which speaks of Mercy, a better, nobler, more gracious message than the blood of Abel. Then it says in brackets, which cried out for vengeance. God's mercy has come to us. We escaped God's vengeance because the wrath that was on us, we received the gracious offer. He placed it upon His Son so that we can live such a pure life, such an uncompromising life, To live for God and no more for ourselves or for this world or for people who defy God. With this great statement here as we are going to finish chapter 12 today move on to the last chapter God willing next time He says you've come to Mount Zion to thousands, countless people of angels in a joyful gathering you're headed for that place and you have a A covenant, a new covenant through the blood of Jesus. Now be careful. Take care. Pay close attention. That you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape. When they refused to listen to Moses. The earthly messenger. We will certainly not escape. If We reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed. In the book of Peter, we've looked at that before, it says the elements, the whole universe will melt Not only with blazing fire, but with a loud noise. Imagine that. Can you imagine that? Looking at the planets and everything. Just a a fire that we've never seen before. Burning up everything in the cosmos. That too, with a tremendous loud noise. In light of that, make sure you value every word God says, the Apostle's writing. And take heed, be careful, you don't miss heaven and end up in hell. You don't miss the mercy of God and end up God taking vengeance on you. It's very clearly laid out in Hebrews 10. And again here, toward the end of the book, towards the end of it. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed, so that only unshakable things will remain. Who will be unshakable? Those who are one with God. Those who do God's will. For the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life are of the world. And we know that the world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God abides forever, live forever, will be unshaken, unshakable. 1 John 2:15 15-17 Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful. It's not just rejoicing and celebration. And please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. What a way to end the chapter. We know originally there was no chapter division, but this section of this letter, this epistle, writing to Christians, don't forget our God. Remember our God? The one who died on Calvary? That Lamb? He's a devouring fire. Oh, how sobering it is and how good for my soul, good medicine for my soul to really rethink and recheck how I spend my time, what I do with my talents and my treasure. What am I actually doing? Am I really obedient to God or do I miss what I've heard and it goes from one ear out the other and I go back do my own thing and come back again in the evening and do I really take a good hard look and say Lord this Saturday belongs to you Sunday belongs to you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday 24-7 belongs to you I'm under your authority Lord I'm your doulos Lord I'm your bond slave I love you and Lord you show me what to do you show me what calls to pick up and what calls not to make you show me Lord what to do today and Lord if you want to alter my course my decision, my plan, my schedule Help me not to be immature, throwing tantrums. Getting upset or feeling like it keeps changing. There are those of us here who are very upset and uptight when things don't happen at a certain time. But God has since changed us. Step back. Watch God work. Let Him alter anything He wants in my day, in my life. God is God I'm not He's the Lord and He'll do the best for me and He's teaching me to depend upon Him it's not about me it's about Him and He rules my day He rules my night is that true of you? knowing that our God is a consuming fire knowing how awesome He is shall I not submit to everything He told me to do God will help us if we're sincere shall we pray? Lord I thank you that we don't dilute the word of God we don't take away from the word of God but Lord we see that you must be the Lord of our lives otherwise Lord you said we're not worthy of the title of disciple or being named a disciple of the calling of a disciple of the security that a true disciple alone can have eternally. Lord, I thank you that what we are hearing, Lord, is not at all a new thing. It's simply normal standard of real Christianity. But it's such a low standard in which we find ourselves in these last days in the Laodicean church age. Everybody thinks they're fine. They can write on a partial gospel that says, Jesus' blood saves you. No matter what you do, you're going to make it because you trusted in Jesus. Without calling for absolute surrender, absolute obedience to the Lordship of God, of Jesus in our lives. We thank you, Lord. Today is a good day for us to show you how much we love you by doing your will. I thank you that we're called to an innumerable company of angels, Lord. And to the spirits of men, just men made perfect. We're headed for glory. Hallelujah. Help us to cast off every weight, every compromise that seeks to trip us up and disqualify us. That devilish, satanic, serpentine sin the rebellion against God, and hostility towards the things of God, and dislike when we're exposed in God's presence. For any hypocrisy. Help us to hate that, Lord. Surrender our pride at the door and enter in to peace with you. Lord, I pray that there's no one on the call, as I've heard and we know, even without people telling us, certain people that have certain points when the message doesn't suit them they literally get up and walk away and there are those who won't physically walk away they stay put physically but their heart walks away May we never be like Gehazi and nice and Sapphira because they ended up where they were beginning with those actions being defiant and angry like Cain oh Jesus help us to break down in your presence and say that's me God is talking to me I'm a compromiser I need to change oh Lord Lord let that be the case for anyone who needs a drastic change especially after hearing the word of God and help those of us Lord who are walking with the Lord and do not compromise to be ever alert that we don't think that we're we've arrived and we don't need to watch and be careful because the message is for everyone thank you Jesus that through careful obedience genuine love for you and loyalty Lord to the truth we will make it Lord because you're a good father who will chasten us when we need to if we receive the chastening correctly we will be the better for it and become mature going from being children to youth to fathers who can train others like the Apostle did and the way he groomed Timothy who had to go through the training become very sensitive to the Holy Spirit be able to train other people to live against compromise against the decadence of this fallen world that our eyes don't look like Lot's eyes but rather Abraham's eyes a determined decision to obey God at all costs and I thank you Lord that we can have such a great inheritance that you laid it for us. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. We have sometimes been challenged to see whether we can get rid of all anger, identify it, be more sensitive when we are angry at God, angry with one another. To challenge God will help us if we are serious. And use the word to cut it out of our lives. We talked about impatience. We talked about compromise. To identify it. To say, I've got to change some things here. I want my life to be a clear statement. Can you say that? Could you be desiring that today, this Saturday? on this July 10th, 2021 I want to go through the whole day without compromising the truth I want to establish a pattern like that I don't care who I offend I want to be loyal to my God and everything I heard of the truth let that be part of my fabric from now on and today I want to pay close attention that I don't compromise with the truth of God so help me God praise God Anyone who's inclined to pray, if the Lord's spoken to you, you can go to pray.